still remember in the movies, Uncle Vernon tried to seize one of Marge's feet and tried to pull her down, but almost lifted himself from the floor, right? A second later, the dog, I think it's called the Ripper, leaped forward and sunk his teeth into Uncle Vernon's leg. I still remember all this from the movies. But cut to Harry. This time, Harry had enough. He is not a little boy anymore, and Harry just swung from the dining room before anyone could stop him heading for the carpet under the stairs. Seconds, he had heaved his trunk to the front door. He sprinted upstairs and threw himself under the bed, wrenching up the loose floorboard and grabbed the pillowcase full of his books and the birthday presents. He wriggled out, seized Hedwig's empty cage and dashed back downstairs to his trunk, just as Uncle Vernon burst out of the dining room. Come back in here! I thought he was like, where are you going? Like, like he's gonna worry about a boy go out in the middle of the night but he said come back and put her right and harry just goes she deserved it she deserved what she got you keep away from me i'm going harry said i've had enough and that basically just concludes chapter two and chapter three is the night bus Harry was several streets away before he collapsed onto a low wall in Magonia Crescent, panting from the effort of dragging his trunk. It must be a lot of things. So it's like after the adrenaline, now it's like 10 minutes later, in the dark streets, a new emotion evoked overtook him panic. Whichever way he looked at it, he had never been worse fixed. He was stranded, quite alone, in a dark muggle world, with absolutely nowhere to go. And the worst of it was, he had just done serious black. <laughs> serious magic. From now on, every time I read serious, I think it will fall by black. Anyway, so he's done serious magic, which meant that he was almost certainly expelled from Hogwarts. He had broken the decree for the restriction of underage wizardry so badly, he was surprised in the Ministry of Magic representatives when swooping down on him where he sat. Harry shivered and looked up and down. Magonia christened. What was going to happen to him? Would he be arrested or would he simply be outlawed from the wizarding world? He thought of Ron and Hermione, and his heart sank even lower. Harry was sure that, criminal or not, Ron and Hermione would want to help him now, but they were both abroad, and with Hedwig gone, he had no means of contacting them. He didn't have any muggle money either. There was a little wizard gold in the money bag at the bottom of his trunk, but the rest of the fortune his parents had left him was stored in a vault at Gringotts Wizarding Bank in London. He'd never be able to drag his trunk all the way to London, unless he just looked down at his wand, like, if I was already expelled from this is painful, but a bit more magic couldn't hurt. It's like, I've already committed some crime. Just adding some more crime couldn't hurt. And let's see what he come up with. He's like, I had the invisibility cloak. And what if I bewitch the trunk to make it feather light, tie it to his broomstick, cover himself in the cloak, and flew to London. Then he could get the rest of his money out of the vault and begin his life as an outcast. It was a horrible prospect, but he couldn't sit on this wall forever. Or he'd find himself trying to explain to Muggle police why he was out in the dead of the night with a trunk full of spellbooks and a broomstick. As he was gonna carry out the plan, he felt a funny prickling on the back of his neck. He felt like he was being watched. Aha, uh -huh. who could that be? We'll skip this 
part, confrontation part, when the night boss get here. When Harry raised his head to a triple-decker, violently purple bus, which had appeared out of thin air, gold lettering over the windshield spelled the night bus. A conductor in a purple uniform leaped out of the bus and began to speak loudly to the knights. Welcome to the night bus, emergency transport for the stranded witch or wizard. Just stick out your wand hand, step on board, and we can take you anywhere you want to go. My name is Stan Shampike, and I will be your conductor this e. He caught the sight of Harry as like a kid, asked, what were you doing down there? Harry saw this conductor was just a few years older than he was, 18 or 19 at most. And Harry says, fell over. Dan says, what you fell over for? And Harry keep looking at the blackness and Stan also say, what you looking at? And there was a big black thing, like a dog, but massive. Harry was like, looked around at Stan, whose mouth was slightly open. With a feeling of unease, Harry saw Stan's eyes move to a scar on Harry's forehead. What's that on your head? It's like nothing, said Harry quickly, flattening his hair over his scar. If the Ministry of Magic was looking for him, he didn't want to make it too easy for them. What's your name? Stan persisted. Neville Longbottom, said Harry, saying the first name that came into his head. Neville, oh, Neville Longbottom. So, so this buzz, did you say it goes anywhere? Yep says Stan proudly, anywhere you like, as long as it's on land. But anyway, Harry just got on the bus. Inside, it was described as there were no seats. Instead, half a dozen brass bedsteads stood beside the curtained windows. Candles were burning in the brackets beside each bed, illuminating the wood-paneled walls. A tiny wizard in a nightcap at the rear of the bus muttered something. And this wizard is called Ernie, an elderly wizard, wearing very thick glasses. There was another tremendous pain, and the next moment Harry found himself flat on his bed, thrown backwards by the speed of the night bus. As it's going, it's like Harry asked, How come the muggles don't hear the bus? Dan said temptuously, Them? Don't listen properly, do they? Don't look properly either. Never notice nothing. They don't. This bus trip is everything unusual but also usual because they start to gossip about the news, talk about what's on the news, and they start to talk about daily prophets about the escaping prisoner and talk about that man Ooh, looked so uh, terrifying serious black but at this time we know that the prime minister of the muggle world our world actually know about the wisdom world so because they say black is still on loose and the fudge the minister of the wisdom world had informed the muggle prime minister of the crisis some people criticized him for this but he was like well i had to you know, Black is mad. He's a danger to anyone who crosses him, magic or muggle. I have the Prime Minister's assurance that he will not tell anyone Black's true identity. Who'd believe him if he did? While muggles have been told that Black is carrying a gun, a kind of metal wand that muggles use to kill each other, the magical community lives in fear of a massacre like that of 12 years ago, when Black murdered 13 people with a single curse. And Harry looked into the shadowed eyes of Sirius Black and thought he looked like a vampire. Ernie, everybody gossiped about how Black was a supporter of you-know-who. And he was mad because even when cap being captured, he was laughing. Just laughed and laughed. Ernie, in his slow voice, said, If he weren't when he went to Azkaban, he will be now. I'd blow myself up before I set foot in that place. Served him right, mind you, after what he did. 
later Harry heard another news. It's like Harry Potter blew up his aunt. He, Harry, had broken wizard law just like Sirius Black was inflicting Aunt Mudge had enough to land him in Azkaban. Now Harry is seriously scared. He was like, I didn't know anything about the prison. Brave like even Hagrid came back from the two months in Azkaban, had told Harry that he's worn a look of terror. As the bus goes on, one by one, wizards and witches in dressing gowns and slippers descended from the upper floors to leave the bus. They all looked very pleased to go. Finally, Harry was the only passenger left. When they get to the leaky cauldron, behind that lays the magical entrance to Diagon Alley. Harry got off, but welcoming him was Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic himself. Before we get to the next storyline, I just want to mention when Stan called Neville, called Harry Neville, and the Minister was like, well, this is Harry Potter. And then Stan was, I knew it. Ah, this is Harry Potter, it's not Neville. But in the end, when they were just about to leave, Stan still called, Bye, Neville. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't care. Fudge marched Harry along the narrow passage of Sir Tom's lantern, and then into a small pallor. Tom clicked his fingers. A fire burst into life in the grate, and he bowed himself out of the room. Sit down, Harry, Fudge said, indicating a chair by the fire. And before Fudge speaks... Tom, the innkeeper, reappeared, wearing an apron over his nightshirt and bearing a tray of tea and crumpets. I like how in Harry Potter, there's always food. There's always food for kids. Also, Fudge always smiled at Harry, and rather like an uncle serving a favorite nephew. So there's always food for children in Harry Potter. <laughs> Fudge is like, eat, Harry. You look dead on your feet. And telling Harry that, don't worry about the instance, because the unfortunate blowing up of Marjorie Dursley thing has been taken care of. There is AMRS, Accidental Magic Reversal Squads, were dispatched to Privet Drive a few hours ago. Miss Dursley has been punctured. So it's Miss. Miss Dursley. Okay, Aunt Mudge is not married. I guess she just has been living with her dogs. Anyway, Miss Dursley has been punctured. Punctured. And her memory has been modified. She has no recollection of the incident at all. And that's that. No harm done. And when Fudge told him, you don't even need to worry about the reactions of your aunt and uncle. It's like, you just, well, you have to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas and Easter. But after that, you can still go back to your aunt and uncle's for the summer holidays. And Harry's like, I always stay at Hogwarts for Christmas and Easter. And I don't even ever want to go back to Privet Drive. And Fudge didn't even understand that. It's like, well, I'm sure you'll feel differently once you've calmed down. And they are your family after all. I'm sure you are fond of each other, very deep down. So for Fudge, or people like them, they didn't even have the idea of abusing a family member, I think. For them, it's unimaginable that a children would not want to go back to their uncle and aunts. Harry just gave up, didn't want to put Fudge right, and but he, he was like, hang on, what about my punishment? I broke the law, the decree for the restriction of underage visitry. Oh, my dear boy, we're not going to punish you for a little thing like that. It was an accident. We don't send people to Azkaban just for blowing up their aunts. Oh, this could go wrong. I mean, wrong meaning. 
in so many ways. Anyway, and Harry still was saying last year I got this and that punishment warnings, and now you're telling me I will not be punished. What the heck? But I understand. It's like sometimes the adults they don't they change their rules. They tell you this is really serious、uh, behaviors, but next minute they're like, ah,、oh, it's little things. It's n- it's not important, and it was an accident. So it's kind of confusing. Unless Harry's eyes were deceiving him, Sarge was suddenly looking awkward. Circumstances change, Harry. We have to take into account in the present climate. Surely you don't want to be expelled? Of course I don't," said Harry. "Well, then, what's all the fuss about? Have a crumpet, Harry, while I go and see if Tom's got a room for you." Then Fudge go get Tom, and Harry was placed in room eleven. Fudge told Harry to stay in diagonally, and you to be back here before dark each night. Sure, you understand. Tom will be keeping a knife on you for me. And Harry, just one last thing, Minister. Can you sign the form for me, the permission form? Because I really would like to go to Hogsmeade. But Fudge is like rules are rules, Harry. I'm not your guardian, so can't do that for you. Then Harry was taken to his room. Inside was a very comfortable-looking bed, some highly polished oak furniture, and a cheerfully crackling fire. And Hedwig is here. Hedwig arrived about five minutes after you did. Very smart, the innkeeper Tom was saying. Sat on his bed for a long time. Harry started to think. It's such a weird night. Looking at the sky, Harry could hardly believe he'd left the private drive only a few hours ago, and he wasn't expelled. And he was now facing three completely Dursley-free weeks. Oh, so good. He's like, but it's so weird. And without even removing his glasses. He slumped back onto his pillows and fell asleep. Next chapter, chapter four, the leaky cauldron. Okay, before we go to the leaky cauldron, there are a few loose ends I want to address. The first thing is <laughs> Harry blow up his aunt. I know, I know. I support all the legal sex workers, but not at thirteen years old. Okay. And the first thing is actually when back to the night bus. First of all, night bus, such a great name. Night. It's a bus running around at night and also saves people, saves stranded witch and wizards. Night, such a good wordplay. J.K. And the second thing, that's the first thing. Night, good pun. And the second thing is、uh, there is a logic loop. They say,、uh, yeah. Anyway, people asking if the night bus can, like, once you pick up a wizard or witch, you would jump back to where you were, right? It's like in the when they picked up Harry at this Agnonian crescent, I think they would jump back to somewhere because Stan was saying this is where we was before you flagged us down. Where are we, Aaron? Somewhere in Wales, and then they have to wake up Madame Marsh. To because the stop they they will arrive the destiny of Madame Marsh very soon in a minute that was Abragavini Abragavini I think so the question is if they can jump back to where they were before you know picking up a new passenger why can't they just jump to the destination you know why they have to jump back to where they were the bus stop let's say and they keep driving to the next stop why can't they just jump So that's you can say it's just magic. That's just how it, how things works, and just people asking about that. So how it works is each time they pick up a witch or wizard, they would jump back to the stop where they were, 
and then keep driving. So that's how they because that's how bus works. You need to have bus stops. It's not taxi. So that's how they've been jump to each the previous stop and then keep driving to where anywhere they they, they can be anywhere. As Stan was saying, right? But they just have to jump back to where they were each time they pick up a new passenger. So that's how it works, and they keep driving until everyone gets off, right? Anywho, and I have to correct myself. Ernie was the driver. He is not just a passenger. So Ernie was the driver. Okay, let's move on to Leaky Cauldron. Usually, the third chapter was when. J.K. would show us how brilliant and spectacular and fantastic the wizarding world is compared to、uh, the Muggle world. How Harry, how abusive the Muggle world is to Harry, it really is. But as I said, book three onwards, we would get darker and darker themes in in this book. So we we still have a lot of magical elements in this chapter, but we will also get the danger. Waiting for Harry, and as Harry was growing up, we can see he is no longer the boy thinking naively. Somehow, in his spirit, this time around, he carry a little bit a rebellion spirit. I think in the end, we will see. So yeah, this chapter begins with Harry waking up to several days wandering around Diagon Alley, just enjoying himself. We get a vivid description about how he was living inside this wonderful world. He ate breakfast each morning in the Leaky Cauldron, where he liked watching the other guests, funny little witches, and there are vulnerable-looking wizards, and there are dwarfs, raucous, noisy dwarfs, wild-looking warlocks. That basically is what you're gonna find in a in a pub. Like a leaky cauldron. <laughs> After breakfast, Harry would go out into the backyard and take out his wand, tap the third brick from the left above the trash bin. You know how to open Diagon Alley, and he would spend the long sunny days exploring the shops and eating under the brightly colored umbrella outside cafes, where his fellow diners were showing one another their Purchases just anywhere he goes, he will hear Sirius Black is out. Everyone's been worried about this news. That's true, but still, life is still going on. Here, the their purchases includes Lunascope device. I guess you no more messing around with moon charts. So hands on later, they're going to have this course called divination. Right? He does his homework in this sunshine ice cream ice cream parlor. It's called FF Florin Fortescue's. Ice cream parlor, finishing all his essays with occasional help from this Ryan Fortescue himself, who, apart from knowing a great deal about medieval witch burnings, gave Harry free Sundays every half an hour about spending money because now Harry had refilled his money bag with all the money at、uh, Gringotts. He had to exercise a lot of self-control not to spend the whole lot at once. He still have to pay tuition at Hogwarts mostly. Is the books the spell books he has to buy, so he has to control himself not to buy a solid gold gobstones, just like marbles, like the game, like marbles in which the stones squirt a nasty smelling liquid into the other player's face when they lose a point. So it's useless, but because it's solid gold, it's made of solid gold, so it's a handsome set, but it's useless. The next thing he was tempted. Is something I would like to have. This is by the perfect moving model of the galaxy in a large glass ball, which would have meant he never had to take another astronomy lesson. So just thinking about have the whole galaxy 
Oh, but the thing that tested Harry's resolution most appeared in the favorite shop, Quality Quidditch Supplies. Because <laughs> a week after he'd arrived at Leaky Cauldron, he knew that they have the new broomstick. This one is called the Firebolt. Just the perfect, perfect broomstick. Everyone wants it, but it has price on request. Harry didn't like to think how much gold the Firebolt would cost. He restrained himself from buying it. But every day, almost every day after that, he will return just to look at the fireboard. Next, we see Harry go buy potions and the books. Potions from this apothecary. As now the screw ropes were a few inches too short in the arm and legs, he visited Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions and bought new ones. I really like how every shops just name themselves exactly what they are doing. Very straightforward, <laughs> and most importantly, he had to buy his new school books, which would include those for his new two new subjects: care for magical creatures and divination. And one of the books required was actually the monster books. So Harry was like, "Oh, that's why Hagrid is giving me that," and also said it would come in useful someday. But because of this monster book of monsters, the bookshop got hundred copies of them. So there are torn pages lying everywhere, and the books grapple with each other, locked together in furious wrestling matches and snapping aggressively. <laughs> I can imagine the the book the manager from the bookshop was not very happy about it. And Harry entered flourish and plots. You can already feel the manager is very impatient towards students. It's like get out of the way. What book you need? And Harry was like, I've already got that one. And the manager was like, "Okay, thank heavens for that. I've been bitten five times already this morning just to get it." And then, quote from this manager is like, "I've never stalking them again. Never. It's been bedlam. I thought we'd seen the worst when we bought two hundred copies of the invisibility, the book, the、uh, invisible book of invisibility, <laughs> cost a fortune, and we never found them. Well, is there anything else I can help you with?" Of course, you buy the invisible book of invisibility. It must be somewhere. And Harry said, "Yeah, I need unfogging the future." And、uh, the manager was, "Oh, starting divination, are you?" As Harry was going around the shops, and we see other titles like "Predicting the Unpredictable," "Insulate Yourself Against Shocks," and "The Broken Balls When Fortunes Turn Foul." I would like to see those books one day from J.K. Maybe. Please write them. I will read them. <laughs> and unfolding the future. Very good guide to all your basic fortune telling methods. Monstry, crystal balls, bird entrails. But Harry wasn't listening. His eyes had fallen on another book, which was among the display on a small table. Death omens. What to do when you know the worst is coming? Oh, I wouldn't read that if I were you," said the manager lightly, looking to see what Harry was staring at. "You will start seeing death omens everywhere. It's enough to frighten anyone to death. I guess so. It's like if you read that book, it's telling you the death omens. It's like don't if you see the number thirty-three, and you start to see thirty-three everywhere. This was in the movie as well, I think. Harry continued to stare at the front cover of the book. It showed a black dog, large as a bear, with gleaming eyes, and looked oddly familiar. Of course. So anyhow, the man just pressed unfolding the future into Harry's hand. Anything else? Yes, Harry said. I also need the standard book of spells, Grade Three, and the immediate transfiguration. Harry emerged from Flourish and Blots ten minutes later with her, with his new books under his arms, and made his way back to the Leaky Cauldron, hardly noticing 
where he was going and bumping into several people. Back in his room, he started to talk to himself again in the mirror. <laughs> It can't have been a death omen, he told him his reflection. And I was panicking when I saw that thing in Magnolia Crescent. It was probably just a stray dog. He started to do dodgy things like raise his hand automatically and try to make his hair lay flat, lie flat. And his reflection, his mirror, said back to him in a wheezy voice, "You are fighting a losing battle, there, dear." Now he is not all right. As the days slipped by, Harry started to looking everywhere he went for a sign of Ron or Hermione. He really needs to talk to his friends. He's losing his marbles. Well, we didn't see Ron or Hermione, but we did see Seamus Finnegan and the Dean Thomas and Neville Longbottom. <laughs> It described as Long Neville was accompanied by his grandma and was being told off by his very formidable-looking grandmother. And Harry was just like, "Please don't let her know I used Neville's name." On the run from the Ministry of Magic, Harry woke on the last day of the holidays, thinking that he would at least meet Ron or Hermione tomorrow on the Hogwarts Express. He got up, dressed, went for the last look at the fireboat, and was just wondering where he'd have lunch when someone yelled his name, and he turned. Of course, both of them are there. Now I start to feel like Ron and Hermione are doing things together already. You know how they showed up together, how Ron was constantly writing to Hermione. Because Hermione was saying in her letters, Ron was writing to me. Ron was telling me not to call you, and all the time. I think Ron and Hermione are doing things behind Harry's back. Anywho, so finally, Ron was like, "We went to the Leaky Cauldron, but they said you'd left, and we went to the Flourish and Blots at Madame Malkin's, and I got all my school books last week." Harry says, "So I wasn't there." So they catching up and ask, "Did you really blow up your aunt, Harry?" Hermione asking a very serious voice, "Not what you think, Hermione. Not the sex work. I'm only thirteen, and I didn't make this up. This was in the book. I didn't mean to," said Harry, while Ron roared with laughter. "I just lost control," Hermione said. "It's not funny, Ron. Honestly, I'm amazed Harry wasn't expelled." But Ron again, a voice of reason. Said, probably because it's you, isn't it? Famous Harry Potter and all that. I'd hate to see what the Ministry would do to me if I blow up an aunt. <laughs> I blew up an aunt, mind you. They'd have to dig me up first because Mum would have killed me. Anyway, you can ask Dad yourself this evening. We are staying at the Leaky Cauldron tonight too, so you can come to King's Cross with us tomorrow. Hermione's there as well. And why is that? Later we'll find out. Why is everybody here? So while catching up, we see Ron's got a new wand, and Hermione's got three bags of books. And she's um taking more new subjects than you, aren't I? Those are my books for Rizmancy, care of magical creatures, same as Harry, divination, study of ancient runes, Muggle studies. Ron was like, "What are you doing Muggle study for? You are Muggle-born. Your mom and dad are Muggles. You already know all about Muggles." <laughs> But no offense. And Hermione is like, I really like this. Hermione is like, but it will be fascinating to study them from the wizarding point of view. While Ron sniggered, and it's like, are you planning to eat or sleep at all this year? She ignored them and said, I still got ten galleons, so I want to get a pet because you have an owl, and Ron's got an owl. Ron's like, Arrow is not my owl; it's a family owl, and he is dying. <laughs> and Hermione is like, I would like a, an, an owl. A pet, at least. Here we also got something suspicious. That Scabbers, Scabbers has not been alright ever since Egypt trip. Scabbers was looking thinner than usual, and there was a definite droop to his whiskers. 
There's a magical creature shop just over there," said Harry. "It's like you could see if they got something for Scabbers, and Hermione can get her out." So they paid for their ice cream and crossed the street to the magical jury. This is a book starts the magical creature for us. So in the inside this shop, there's not much to see, but not much room, but a lot, a lot of cages and the magical creatures. We can see here toads, blowflies, gigantic tortoise, and newts and、uh, snakes, I guess. And the lady there was like an ordinary common or garden rat like this can't be expected to live longer than three years or so. Now, if you're looking for something a bit more hard wearing, you might like one of these. Well, if you don't want a replacement, you can try this rat tonic. So they have this rat tonic. As they were grabbing this red bottle of rat tonic, Ron was bitten by a cat or Crookshanks, and then we know. Later, Hermione bought Crookshanks. It was also here. Ron lost Scabbers, but later it took them nearly ten minutes to catch Scabbers, who had taken refuge under a waste paper bin outside Quality Quidditch Supplies. Ron stuffed the trembling rat back into his pocket and straightened up, massaging his head. And it's like, what was that? That it's either a giant cat or a small tiger. <laughs> the little exchange between Ron and Hermione. It's like Ron's like Hermione. That thing nearly scalped me. He didn't mean to, did you, Crookshanks? And what about Scabbers? Ron was like cats and rats, and he needs rest and relaxation. How's he going to get it with that thing around? I like that. It's like. But Hermione was like, "It's my cat. It's not like your cat. You don't hang out with me all the time. It's like that." So I already start to feel Ron has a thing for Hermione because he will be around her all the time. Hence, their pets will be around all the time. And it's like he needs relaxation. How could he doing that with that thing around? Hermione said, "Stop worrying. Crookshanks will be sleeping in my dormitory and Scabbers in yours. What's the problem?" <laughs> It's like wrong. You're not gonna come to my dormitory, are you? Also said, poor Crookshanks. That witch said he'd been in there for ages. No one wanted him. Ron was like, I wonder why. He said sarcastically. The next thing, the Weasleys. This is like the whole barrel thing again. We get each one of them and to see how they've grown and the personalities here. So yeah, the Weasleys. I'm not going to read all of them. Here, but just so you know, I really think the Weasleys are the perfect family. The dynamics—I wouldn't ask for more if I were one of their children. I think that would be the best thing. I would be the happiest children. The sibling rivalry or sibling bonding in their own ways. Percy is the head boy and fighting with George and、uh, Fred, and Ginny being the youngest. And Ginny is now even more nervous around Harry now, always red and muttered hello. Without looking at him, like how Mrs. Weasley is like, Percy is a head boy, second head boy in the family, and she was swelling with pride. And Fred is like, and the last second head boy and the last head boy. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley just goes, I don't doubt that. I notice they haven't made you two perfects. The two of them was like,、uh, George was like, What do we want to be perfects for? It would take all the fun out of life. You see, it's just different perspectives, different definition of fun, definition of pride. As Jenny was giggling about this re、uh, re、response, and Mrs. Weasley is like, "You want to set a better example for your sister." And dinner that night was a very enjoyable affair. Tom, the innkeeper, 
put three tables together in the parlor, and the seven Weasleys, Harry and Hermione, ate their way through five delicious courses. Here we know tomorrow, as they are going to the King's Cross, the Ministry is providing a couple of cars for them. Children obviously was asking curiously about why is that? Why is suddenly cars escort them to the King's Station, the King's Cross Station now? What a service! And Mr. Weasley just said something, but Harry couldn't help noticing that Mr. Weasley's ears had gone red. Obviously, he's hiding something. Then after dinner, everyone felt very full and sleepy. One by one, they made their way upstairs to their rooms and to check their things for the next day. Ron and Percy were next door to Harry, and he had just closed and locked his own truck. When he heard angry voices through the walls and went to see what was happening, so Harry was drawn out of the door, drawn, drawn out of his bedroom, his no hotel room, by Ron and Percy's fighting. But later he wandered about and saw Mister and Missus Weasley's conversation, and found out the night Sirius Black escaped. The guards told Fudge that Black's been talking in his sleep for a while now. Always the same words. He's at Hogwarts. He's at Hogwarts. Black is deranged. They say he is mad. So everybody was thinking. He thinks murdering Harry will bring you know who back to power. Black lost everything the night Harry stopped you know who, and he's had twelve years alone in Azkaban to brood on that. So they think Black escaped for Harry. For murdering Harry, even though two of them are arguing because they are worried about Harry, they do agree on if Dumbledore was at Hogwarts, then Harry would be safe. They think they don't think anything could hurt Harry at Hogwarts while Dumbledore's the headmaster. They also mentioned they asked Dumbledore if he minds the Azkaban guards stationing themselves around the entrances to the school ground, and he wasn't happy about it. So we know what are the Azkaban guards. Later, next chapter. Harry heard chairs move as quietly as he could. He hurried down the passage to the bar and out of the sight. The parlor door opened, and a few seconds later, footsteps told him that Mister and Missus Weasley was climbing the stairs. The bottle of red tonic was lying under the table they had sat at earlier. Harry waited until he heard Mister and Missus Weasley's bedroom door closed, and then headed back upstairs with the bottle. Fred and George were crouching in the shadows on the landing, heaving with laughter as they listened to Percy dismantle his and Ron's room in search of his badge. Fred and George had made the badge. Now read, big head boy. Harry forced a laugh. Now Harry is kind of like a、uh, children. He's got more mature things to worry about, life to worry about. So he forced a laugh, went to give Ron the rat tonic, then shut himself in his room and lay down on his bed. So Sirius Black was after him. That explained everything. He thought Fudge had been lenient with him because he was so relieved to find him alive. He'd made Harry promise to stay in Diagon Alley, where there were plenty of wizards to keep keep an eye on him. And he was sending two Ministry cars to take them all to the station tomorrow, so that the Weasleys could look after Harry until he was on the train. Harry lay listening to the muffled shouting next door and wondered why he didn't feel more scared. Sirius Black had murdered thirteen people with one curse. Mister and Missus Weasley obviously thought Harry would be panic-stricken if he knew the truth, but Harry happened to agree wholeheartedly with Missus Weasley that the safest place on earth was wherever Albus Dumbledore happened to be. Didn't people always say that Dumbledore was the only person Lord Voldemort had ever been afraid of? Surely Black, as Voldemort's right-hand man, would be just as frightened of him.
And then there were those Azkaban gods everyone keeps talking about. They seem to be scared, and they seem to scare most people senseless. And if they were stationed all around the school, Black's chance of getting inside seemed very remote, isn't it? And Harry sort of just the things bother him the most, not these things, not these things. I like how his mind works. He thought the things bother him the most is the fact that his chance of visiting Hogsmeade now looked like zero. Nobody would want Harry to leave the safety of the castle until Black was caught. He was like, the only thing bothered me was like I can't go have fun. And he also worried about or suspected that every move he made would be carefully watched until the danger had passed. Yeah, that would be bother. That would be really bummer. He also he also scowled at the dark ceiling. It's like, why is everyone worried about him? It's like, did did they all think he couldn't look after himself? He had escaped Lord Voldemort three times. He wasn't completely useless. See, he's got a little grown up angst in him. He's like, I fight him. Just last book in last book, I fight him in the chamber of secret. Use the swords. How brilliant is that? Why is everyone worried about me or sees me as this useless little boy? So in the end, Harry goes schizophrenic again. He talked into. He said out loud, "I'm not going to be murdered," and his mirror sleepily said, "That's a spirit, dear."